up, YQR. My name's Kenya. My name's Haley. <laughs> we're here to tell you that Regina's not that shitty. Because it's not. It's all about the fascinating things, the weird things, the, the cool things. The old things. And the old things. The artsy things. Yeah. We do it all. We do it fucking all. For our whole 16 listeners. <laughs> Come on, guys. Those <laughs> listeners. We appreciate love you. Us. You know what? We appreciate you. It's fine. We do. We don't need Very anyone else. So. Yeah. All we need is you. Yeah. And your love. Yeah. And support. Mm-hmm. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> we need more than that, but it's fine. We'll get over it. Um, I'm over this, it. <laughs> this episode uh, is, is really interesting because uh, it's. I've lived here my whole life and didn't realize the fascination of the old Regina Cemetery. I didn't know that a person could do a cemetery tour at all. Yeah, Regina no. Regina or not. N- news to me, yo. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah. So uh, if you don't know where the Regina Old Cemetery is. We're going to Google it right now. Uh-huh. <laughs> Sorry, I came on typing with one hand today. Um, it is, well, it's just the Regina Cemetery. It's just called the Old Regina Cemetery just because it's our Old. oldest running. Um, and it is on 4th Avenue, like between Albert and Broad area and uh it holds regina's historic peoples yes which is a lot of old people there a lot of old people a lot of babies that are old now (laughs) they're just old graves maybe we should just say that yeah yeah graves um and i mean i've always had a fascination with grave yeah (laughs) i don't know to me that sounds like makes me sound like i'm a fucking psychopath Apparently, lots of women have a fascination with murder and death. And I mean, look at us. Our favorite podcasts are my favorite murder. And pretty morbid. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. Last (laughs) podcast on the left is my shit. Yeah, it's good. My shit. Um, Yeah. So I've always had a fascination with graveyards. I got to take a anthropology of death course in university. Hells yeah. Yeah, I was sick. I was sick. It's like recommend. a death and dying course. It's, it's a psychology course. Though. Okay. It's more like how you deal with people who are going through grief. Yeah, that makes sense. But uh, all these people that we're going to see are already dead, so you don't have to <laughs> console them. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be fine. <laughs> and um, in that class, I learned a lot about New Orleans death culture, and I've had a fascination with New Orleans since I was in grade seven and played the alto saxophone and wanted to go be a jazz musician. Yeah, that dream died fast, but <laughs> I did... <laughs> get to go to new orleans last year uh for about a month and the cemeteries there so cool some They're countries so fucking have some cool crazy rituals too for their um what would you call it burials burials some don't bury nope you're right some do burning um, pyres that's interesting some, do that. eh? some hold you up in the air so the eagles can eat you because they want to give you back to nature and yeah. they don't want their eagles to die yeah and they actually that started because the ground is too hard to dig in it. Okay. So they just put New you in Orleans is the opposite. The Which ground is soft. under sea level. Oh yep. So you'd bury a body and it would just like rise slowly to the po- top when it flooded. Crazy. Yeah. So there'd just be bodies fucking laying around. And they tried everything. They tried like cement pads. It would just like slip out from under the cement pad. They try like everything. So here's how New Orleans does it. It's fucking creepy as shit. Okay. I'm ready. Okay. So they have like. Little tombs that are made of concrete or, you know, stone. They're like little... Yeah. They almost look like little tiny houses with like two slots in them. Okay. And they're bricked up. And uh, when someone dies, so your family buys the whole hut as a family. And your whole family is going to get buried in that little hut. Okay. So here's what happens. Your family member dies. Yeah. They knock out one of the brick walls because there's two like little ones. Yeah. And they shove your body inside. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then they brick it up. Okay. And then in a year and a day, you're able to open it and you're naturally cremated because it gets so fucking hot there. The stone gets so warm, your body just disintegrates. And That's then, wild. Yeah. And then if someone else dies, so generally two people can die in a year and then they can put you in there. Right. So hopefully you don't have like a lot of old people in your family. Right. But well, you, you might just have to buy more than one. Yeah. Hut. Well, well, they're expensive. You don't want to buy more than one hut. Well, it's you like a just whole family pack them in. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know <laughs> what to do at that point. I didn't really ask that question, but just put someone on ice. <laughs> yeah. And they got to wait their turn. Exactly. And it's so there's like a few things that they do. They like 
either sweep your ashes to the back and then throw throw the body in. Yeah. Or they sweep your ashes out into a bag and put the bag at the back and then put another body in. It's a waste of plastic. Yeah, I agree. I think you should just fucking <laughs> just if you're just gonna go. sweep it to the back, just yeah, sweep it to the sweep fucking it to back. The back. <laughs> um, it's interesting because there's so many cemeteries there. Yeah. Um. And the one that I went to on, like, my first tour, you know when you, like, expect a cemetery to be, like, creepy and cool? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this one looked like a fucking hospital. I was like, oh, why is it what? so clean? Because everything's concrete. And oh, you pay there. Like, I, I don't know if it's monthly or yearly, but you pay for your grave to be upkept. So you don't have to do it. Yeah. Like, here you don't really have to do it. You pay one-time fee. There you actually buy insurance for your grave spot. And they paint it. They make sure the stones cracks are on it. They make sure all the carving's done. Crazy. And you pay. Yeah. So then when I went to the oldest cemetery, obviously some of those families aren't even there anymore. So it's not upkept at all. Mm-hmm. And it looks like the creepy ass graveyards you're expecting. Yes. Yeah. I like that way better. But Fair enough. So I'm well, excited. here they only take care of like the grounds, like the grass and whatever. If the stone is broken, that's up to the family. Yeah. So I'm kind of excited to learn more about the Regina Cemetery. We have Kenton DeJong, our local historian. Yes. Self-proclaimed. And uh, travel blogger. Yeah, and travel blogger. So you'll have to te- check out his travel blog. We will be posting There's some cool that. shit on there. Yeah, no, he is like the coolest person. Yes. Uh, if I could just travel and write a blog, that would be my dream. That'd be great. Yeah, but I'm broke. Yep. So <laughs> You got to save up a lot of money to start <laughs> making money blogging yeah, and traveling. Exactly. But uh, yeah, so we're going to be having Kenton DeJong on. And then our musical guest is Ryan Hicks. Ryan Hicks. He was so gracious to let us come to his concert. He was uh, just like, yeah, you guys sound cool. I'll be on your <laughs> podcast. Want to come to my show for free? Yeah, we're like, yes. yes. But uh, pay Pay to go see him. <laughs> That's what we're well, trying to say. you have you to sh- pay. You should, you should go pay. We're VIP. Uh, yeah, no, <laughs> no big deal or anything. We run a podcast that no one <laughs> listens to. So 16 people can. Uh, <laughs> I shouldn't say no one. I love you. Rising. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, uh, Ryan Hicks. What, what do you know about him, Haley? He is an alternative pop artist. His music's a little more slow and melodic. I'd say it's very good in the sun beach music. Oh uh, yeah, I see it. Drinking. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So playing some volleyball. Make sure you check him out on our Instagram or on their Insta. We'll be posting everything. Ryan Hicks music. And uh, he's got a lot of stuff on YouTube too. He's got his he's got videos for all his songs. Yeah. Uh so this is Ryan Hicks. Enjoy. Hey everyone. Just would like to let you know before we get into our musical feature that What Is Up YQR is also part of the Saskatchewan Podcast Network. This network is supported by Conexus. Does money spark joy in your life or cause you stress? If you said stress, you're not alone. I'm one of those people. For 42% of Canadians, their biggest stressor comes from money. At Conexus, they care about your financial well-being. Money doesn't have to be stressful, and Conexus is here to help. The Conexus hashtag Money Talk blog provides expert advice, tips, and solutions for all stages and lives uh, in life and events. Getting married, buying a house, budgeting, saving, they cover it all and more. And did I mention it's free? Check it out today at ConnexusMoneyTalk.ca and start feeling confident and stress-free about your money. So we are here with Kenton DeJong, who is calls himself an amis- amateur historian of Regina, as well as he has a really awesome travel blog, which everybody should check out. We'll talk about that a little later. And he is going to be talking with us a little bit about Regina's cemetery. So welcome, Kenton. 
<laughs> Thank you for having me. Okay, so we just did the cemetery tour. Yeah, it was really cool. I learned a lot. Yeah. More than I thought I would. So <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I mean, we didn't think it was going to be bad. <laughs> no, I thought it would be interesting, but I, lo- I learned a lot more cool facts. I thought we were just going to learn about specific people, which is still cool. But Yeah, so um, we got to check out some really specific graves, um, some things that happened uh, in and around Regina. And there's actually, when you first walk in, and most people would notice this, there are these flags all around the cemetery. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Definitely. There's uh, two types of flags in the cemetery. There's the white flags and the blue flags. Uh, These came from the old tour books that used to exist. Back in the 1990s, these tour books were established to share some of the stories of the cemetery. And the two flags show the two different kind of tours. So the blue flags are the founding fathers, and the white flags are more of the immigrant stories. Okay, cool. And so we got to see some of the specific people in and around. Tell us some about the mysterious deaths. That's our favorite. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, mysterious deaths. Okay. Um, one of them, I would say, uh, would be a James Strathdee. Uh, he is one of the founders of the Stuart Strathdee Campbell Building, which is where Bushwhackers oh, is now. Yeah. <laughs> we work there. Yeah, we've heard of him before. Yes. Uh, James, also known as Jim Strathdee, is still said to be haunting the building and causing mischief, turning the lights on and off, pushing people around. I've been told he throws coal in the basement sometimes. Um, he was found in uh, behind the building in 1936 with a shotgun blast to his head. People assumed it was a murder, but the police ruled it as a suicide. But if it was a suicide, you wonder why he would still be haunting the building that he worked at. And just generally causing creepiness throughout yeah. yep. the basement is not a fun place to be no, no not at all we don't, we don't be on there yeah. no, well no. as a worker boxes. i honestly yeah i i don't at the end of the night if i'm there late and i'm working the private room because there's actually a private room in the basement mm-hmm. which is where he potentially haunts mm-hmm. yeah um i don't like doing chairs down there i just get like a weird like i don't know i'm just one of those people i'm like if someone jumps out at me, I'm gonna be really upset. So I'm gonna bring yeah. people with me. So we I'm can fine both attack in the them. <laughs> club room area, but once you start going more into the depths, like the one day I was looking for large um, garbage bags, and I opened the room that they keep like the hops and stuff in, and there was a swoosh because there's like a blade yeah. on the bottom of the door, and I was like, oh my god! And I shut it and I bolted. <laughs> Why upstairs. would you be looking there? Never mind. I didn't know what was in there. Oh. So and I was like, like looking for every possible spot the large garbage bag a little bit. Be. Yeah, it was, it's was interesting. The one thing that I found the coolest about that is everyone calls it the Strathody Building. Obviously, from that story, it's a little more popular, mm-hmm. but it it's not the Strathody Building. <laughs> no, it's the Stuart Strathy Campbell Building. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's all of them. There's three guys that did it, right? Yep. So that's interesting. That's one thing I, I, I don't know. It's called the Strathody Building, but it's not. it's not. I just thought, I didn't know that the building had a name, <laughs> to be quite honest. That's okay. You haven't heard anyone say it? No, oh. I haven't. <laughs> it's Bushwhackers. People call it Bushwhackers yeah. now. Yeah, now it's just the Bushwhackers. <laughs> yeah, and I know the one across the street is like the Ackerman building. Mm-hmm. And yeah, because yeah. well, you lived there. I did live there. <laughs> well, and it says it right above the door. Mm-hmm. True. Yeah. yeah. Um, anything else mysterious in those parts? <laughs> uh, well, we talked about on the tour um, one of the constables that was uh, killed in his cold case behind him. He was uh, shot three times in the back outside of the uh, Canadian liquid air plant on Winnipeg Street. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we they were never found, correct? Right. The three assailants fled into the night, and they were never caught. And people always ask me, well, how do you know there's three people if they were never caught? And there was witnesses. Usually when you hear gunshots, people look out the window, and they saw three people running away. So that's oh, how I know okay. there was three, yeah. but they don't know who, who they were. Who. Yeah. Was all Were all the bullets from the same gun? Yep. Okay. One guy. So on the tour, we talked about uh, two of the graves. Uh, they belong to police officers. And it's actually really interesting that in the 140-odd years we've been a city, we've only ever lost two officers in the line of duty. There's a third officer. He went into work, he checked into work, and then left the building and had a heart attack and died. But we don't usually count him as being one that was slain in the, in the line of duty. Right. So we've only ever had two. And one was in 1933, and one was in 1935. So the 1930s were a very bad time in the city. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was due to? Uh, one was crime. The one in 33 was crime. Um, the 1935 one was in the Regina riots. 
Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about the Regina Riots? Like, I think I learned about it in high school, I mostly university. But <laughs> if you didn't grow up here, you really don't know yeah. about it. Sure, definitely. Uh, in the 1930s, uh, Canada and the world pretty much was in the Great Depression. And the federal government set up work camps for the farmers to go and work and raise money for the families back home. But these work camps were more like slave camps. The farmers worked long hours. They weren't paid very well. They were treated very poorly. So they decided instead to uh, go to Ottawa and demand change. So they began the On to Ottawa Trek, which was when all these farmers took the railroad across the country uh, with the purpose of going to Ottawa to demand change. Right. On their way across the country, um, the prime minister shut down the railroad and said that they do not leave Regina. So 1,400 trekkers, as they call them, arrived in Regina, tried to go uh, east either via the railroad or, the, or just the normal roads. They were all blocked off, and they were forced to camp here. Um, that camp, of that camp, eight individuals were taking, taken to Ottawa to try and find a resolution. No resolution was decided. They say that the prime minister wouldn't give them the time of day. He wouldn't talk to them. And when they arrived back in Regina, they had held a rally. And during the rally, some plainclothes police officers tried to infiltrate the group and arrest the leaders, and this sparked the riot. And the riot raged down the street through downtown. They destroyed shop windows. They destroyed vehicles. Um, the police used bullets and tear gas to stop them. Um, they arrested civilians to get them off the street. There was the very possibility of this riot becoming a revolution. And this is something that the police wanted to stop from happening. Uh, so Constable Charles Millar was a plainclothes police officer. He saw an individual getting uh, assaulted by several assailants, and he charged over to go save him, and in instead the assailants turned on him and beat him to death with clubs. Right. Do you know how long the riot lasted? Hmm. I don't have, like, per hour, but I think right. it lasted less than half a day. Oh, okay. So it was, like, it a was short. chunk of time? Yeah, it was, it was short. Well, in, in riot times, like, it wasn't, like, the riots in Kiev that lasted days and days. This right. lasted maybe right, right. an But afternoon. it wasn't, like, a half an hour little outburst. No. Right. This was, like, major, major yeah. stuff happening in the in the city. For Regina. For Regina. <laughs> yeah. There were some other interesting things that have happened in Regina that we learned on the tour, such as the Spanish flu. Can you tell yeah. us a little bit about the Spanish flu? I, I just really liked, there's a monument there that you actually helped build for that that area. But if you go to the back of the cemeteries, the back, back-ish, um, there's just like this plot of land with not very many gravestones. So people yeah. would probably think there was nothing in there. Well, because we were walking back there and I remember you saying that they don't use that cemetery anymore because it's full. And I was like, but there's only like five graves on that whole like, plot yep, of yep. land. But actually, it's just unmarked graves because that, what do they call it again? The, it isn't officially called a potter's field. Okay. Because potter's field would be a place where they're not recorded, kind of like a mass burial. But the city has records and the city kept, kept information. So, because the city buried the people there. So it's not technically a potter's field, but that's the most uh, commonly known term. Right. So there are records of all the people that are buried there? There are records. This is where it gets a little bit dicey. The records are still in paper format. Oh, so okay. we don't have it digitized. We don't have the names, the dates. We don't have the resources to go through a uh, hundred years of records to find out who's who, who's buried. Because names have changed. Like they were written down incorrectly or the dates were incorrect. Or maybe there was someone was Mrs. Smith instead of Joan Smith or something like that. Right, right, right. So even if we had the records digitized, they might not be of any use. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Spanish flu, so what kind of, so all these people are basically buried there, apparently in not a mass grave, yep. but tell us about the Spanish flu. What happened across the world? This was worldwide. It, it impacted Regina as well. Yes. Uh, the Spanish flu, I could get into this for hours. <laughs> <laughs> you did a talk on it, right? Yeah, I've done uh, several lectures and talks on the Spanish flu. I've done stuff with the government of Canada on the Spanish flu, so uh, I know this <laughs> yeah. pretty, pretty like, in I depth. I was waiting for this question. <laughs> this is my jam. This is the one I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> so the Spanish flu um, began in Europe. Well, we don't know exactly where it began, but it grew in Europe. Right. Uh, in the battlefields of Europe with the soldiers in the trenches. And then it expanded to the civilian population. Um, the first wave, it came in three waves. The first wave of the Spanish flu uh, was very viral, but not very deadly. But then this version of the virus went through a process called passaging, where it uh, 
goes through the same kind of circumstances over and over again and perfects, it, perfects itself for that kind of scenario. So in this case, it passage through healthy soldiers, ages 18 to 35, and it perfected the way to kill these these men. The healthy men. The healthy men. Mm-hmm. It didn't go after children as much. It didn't go after senior citizens like the normal flu does. It went after healthy people, healthy men and women. Um, so uh, after, while it was still in its passaging stage, the soldiers began bringing it over to the new world uh, as they returned back. from The war was still going on, of course, but they were coming home as the war was waning. And with them, they brought this virus that then began spreading to the civilian populations. Um, in total, this, oh, well, I'll go back. This virus then adapted to become extremely viral and extremely deadly. It was the 20th century version of the Black Death. It infected one third of the world and it killed between 30 and 100 million people worldwide. Damn. And how many in Regina were affected by this? In Regina, 330 people were killed. Over uh, 2,000 were infected. In Saskatchewan, 5,018 were killed. And across Canada, I think it's 25 to 30,000 were killed. So where did it impact the most? Because if we only had about 300, you said? 330 people. 330 people die in Regina. Where are the other ones? Was it like I feel like it would be hard to spread rurally. Well, farms, rural farms, are the safest place to be in this epidemic because there aren't people coming and going as much. But farmers were concerned about this. and Because if someone was to get sick, there'd be no medical help because all the, the doctors and nurses that weren't at the war were in the major cities. Um, so the provincial government had a program in place called the Spanish Influenza Relief Committee. And they released a statement that says that the best place to be is at the farm. and not They, they called the people who live out there inmates. In case someone was to die out there, then they could keep an eye on each other. It was a very strangely worded statement, and it caused a lot more panic than it did helping people. So farmers, almost in a mass exodus, flocked to uh, communities and towns, oh, centers like no. that. So then these towns... That were, is the opposite of what you need to do. <laughs> they flocked, Don't do that. <laughs> they came right into the arms of the epidemic. Uh. And um, at the same time, um, towns were putting themselves in quarantine, self, self-proclaimed quarantine, so people couldn't come into it. So you would maybe you would go to Weyburn, Weyburn closed the roads, they closed the train tracks, you can't get in, you're going to go to the next city, then the next city, right. the next city. And you're just going to keep passing it along as yeah. you go. So although Regina only had 330 victims and Saskatoon had about the same amount, about 50% of the provincial population that was killed were Aboriginal people, which oh. made up a very small percentage of the actual population right. um, because they didn't have the medical help. They didn't have the resources and because they're more community-based. So when someone was to die, they'd gather around them and be together as a community, which would then just spread the flu more and more. Right. So are all the people in Regina that died of this, are they all buried in the same place? No. Uh, some of the people who died in Regina, they're buried in Labret. Uh, some of the pastors we know were buried in Labret as opposed to Regina. Mm-hmm. Some of them are buried um, in the in the north area of the cemetery, in the Potter's Field area. Right. Some of them are buried more um, in the eastern European side of it. Uh, there are families who were, you know, the father died from the war and the mother died from the flu and the kids were left orphans. Uh, Luther College, for example, uh, before I moved to Regina, the old Luther College building, I think in, I'll get this wrong, it's not Weyburn, but some town, that building became an orphanage for all the kids who didn't have families. Really? Oh, right, because it wasn't targeting kids. Right. Wow, so all their parents were dying. Well, that's yep. depressing. Yep. That's, yeah. There was a lot of child graves too in that cemetery. Yes. Yeah, so what makes child graves a little bit different? Uh, as you walk through the cemetery, any kind of cemetery, you see different kind of styles. You see different stones, you'll see different designs. Some look like trees, some look like bricks, some look like crosses. Uh, you can usually tell if it's a child grave if either by looking at the date or if there is a lamb or a dove on top of it. Yeah, usually has some right. kind of other marking. Yeah. Yeah. And another really cool thing that there's only two in the city is a mausoleum, which that it's, was so cool. It's really cool. It's like a little <laughs> mini house for bodies. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> pillars, and it's made out of stone, and there was fossils in this one. It was <laughs> Tell us who was in there. So that is the Muslim. It's the Dark family. So that's Francis Nicholson Dark, uh, his wife Annie, his son, and I must say his cousins and other close relatives. Yeah, right. up to seven, you said, right? Yeah, there's seven people in there. Yeah. yeah. And you should say why there's a lock on it. 
So um, in the 1960s, there was um, an event that frequently occurred where university students would break into the mausoleum and steal bones. Um, right. And um, as an attempt to stop this from happening, because it is very disrespectful, uh, the city of Regina has changed the locks on the mausoleum and are, they're the only ones who have a key to it. And last time I spoke to them about the mausoleum, they informed me that the key has been lost. And so nobody's been in it for a long time, No right? one's been in it for about 50 years. Right. <sighs> yeah. And, but you were also saying that there's one in Edmonton that people did go into after a long time and the smell was awful. The city told me that the smell in that one was so overwhelming they had to drag the person out. Oh, like, like it knocked them out. Yes. Over? But we saw the one in Regina has vents on the building, so yeah. maybe it won't be as bad. But mm-hmm. either way, I, uh, right. I, I don't want to go inside. <laughs> <laughs> sure if the one in Edmonton had vents or not? I don't know. Yeah, because maybe the vents just yeah. aren't enough. Yeah. <laughs> so the Dark family, they're very prominent people in Regina. Um, tell us a little bit about who they are, where they came from. So Francis Dark, you might recognize him from Dark Park in Regina or Dark Crescent in Regina or Dark Hall. Um, Francis Dark was the youngest mayor in Regina's history. He was 35 years old, and he was one of the wealthiest individuals in early history in, in our city. He was in real estate, they moved into politics. He was very much into arts and dance and music. Uh, so Dark Hall was built in his honor. And uh, next to it is the College Avenue campus, which he helped fund and create. And because of that is why College Avenue, for the local listeners, uh, we, this became College Avenue as opposed to 16th Avenue. Oh, okay. So that's why we don't have a 16th Avenue. <laughs> I what you're saying. Why we don't have a 16th <laughs> Avenue, yeah. That makes sense. I mean, I feel like I probably should have thought about this, of like, why don't we have a 16th Avenue? But I really didn't yeah. up until you told me. Everyone, everyone has a light bulb moment. Like, oh, yeah, there's yeah. no 16th, 16th Avenue. Avenue. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they also owned a house. Yes. They owned a property on location of the Hotel Saskatchewan. Uh, where that is today, which is right downtown across from Victoria Park. Uh, in, the, in 1912, the Regina Cyclone tore through downtown and either damaged or destroyed the property. It uh, depends on what source you read. And his wife, Annie, said to Francis that, Francis, you are the wealthiest man in the city. Can you build me a house that won't get blown down? <laughs> it's like the three little pigs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, so... Uh, with their house destroyed and nearby property damaged, they sold the property to the railroad. And with the money they got, which was a substantial amount of money, uh, they went and they purchased land on what is then 16th Avenue and built a house out of Tindallstone, a type of marble that is throughout the city and can be seen throughout uh, Winnipeg and throughout Manitoba. And it's the same stone that's used to make the mausoleum in the cemetery. Okay. And, yeah, it's called... It, that's... What's the building? So the building was the dark residence until uh, Annie passed away. And then it became, uh, I think it was Helmsing's funeral home for a number of years. Okay. And then it became uh, Stonehall Castle as of recently. Yeah, oh, I've yes. heard of that, but you can go see it, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I think they do tours They do tours, well. yep. Yeah. yeah. So that's an interesting little snippet of Regina's history. Yeah. Because it looks like a castle. Yep. Like, I've seen pictures. It, like, is a castle. Yep. Like, he mm-hmm. must have... He must have really loved his wife. Like, I <laughs> tell you. been really rich. I'm like, I don't care. Build whatever you want. Yeah, <laughs> maybe she built it. Let's be honest. Yeah, she hired the people. To do it. This is what I want. I totally forgot. Maybe because this was the first grave we visited mm. on the tour. But it was the second pers- citizen of Regina. Like, actual citizen born here. Correct? Oh, yeah. What, yeah. William Selby, yeah. William Selby. And so, of course, there were people here before there. But they were all, uh, like, immigrants. Or immigrated to Regina or, like, from other parts of it Canada, right? It wasn't a city, city yet. Yeah, so perhaps somebody was born here in, let's say, 1879. But it wasn't a city yet. So he was the second citizen after it was established to a city. Okay. So, like, the second person born here after yes. it was a city. Yeah. Right. And who was the first? Well, the first is an interesting story that many people don't know about. So, I mean, most, people don't, most people don't know about William Selby either. But right. the, several months before <laughs> William Selby... Uh, was a woman named Regina Rowell. Regina was named after the city. Right, yes. <laughs> the woman Regina was named yes. after the city Regina. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And there was a big, it was a big thing when she was born. She was the first citizen. She was um, awarded a large piece of land that was downtown for her to go and raise a family on and start 
you know, the new era of Regina. Was there already a house on the land when it was given to her? No. Back in 82, 83, uh, it was very sparsely populated, so there wasn't any anything really in that area. At the time, of course, there was multiple town sites. We had the Regina that we know and love today. We also had uh, Dudney's Regina, we kind of call it, out by the RCMP area, um, by the Pasco Hospital. And we had a, the, a third Regina up a little more north that isn't anything left of that one. Right, okay. So it was spread out, so there was nothing at that time that where that land was. Right, but there was something that you were telling us about the taxes, too. Yes. Uh, usually, typically, when you get a gift of land from the city, it is tax-exempt. Um, we didn't have that regulation in place yet, and as the years went past, Regina didn't pay taxes on the property because... It was, assumed, it was assumed there was no taxes on it. And after not paying her taxes for a significant amount of time, I think it was 18 years, but it might have been less than that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a lot of back taxes. That may hurts my heart a little bit. Oh, my God. I can't imagine. <laughs> Leaving the country. Yeah. <laughs> like I can't pay those back. Sorry. Uh, the, the city of Regina took the land away from her. Right. That's, um, that's sad. Before she had an opportunity to use it. Right, because she was she was, she was young. She was young. Oh, she got it when oh, she was right. born, and so she, she never been eighteen so years she old. So she would have just been able to basically. How do you pay taxes when you're a baby? It was never paid. <laughs> kind of retarded. <laughs> <laughs> parents, parents pay them. We're gifting this to you, but now your parents have to pay taxes on it. So, <laughs> happy birthday. <laughs> so that property is now where Vintage Vinyl is today. Very popular local store. Yeah. And I don't think they know what their property... Oh, really? <laughs> I, I go think... in there sometimes. I'm going to tell them next time. Yeah, I'll be like, in. do you know the history of this land? And they'll be like, please leave, lady. <laughs> like, uh, no, I'm going to tell you. You have a choice. I messaged them about it one day at like 2.30 in the morning. And they saw it. And I think they thought I was just some kook. And they never <laughs> got back. Like, they're like, 2.30? Who's messaging us right now to tell us about the history of they're our... They're probably friend? like, oh, yeah. let's be real. Did you know in 1882? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Get ready for this story. And I would just like to point out, the first citizen of Regina was a woman. Oh, and yeah. everybody needs to keep that in mind. <laughs> so, because <laughs> we rock. <laughs> Something that was kind of insignificant, but I thought that was cool when we were in the cemetery, was that one of the gravestones was melting. Yes, uh, graves are made out of different things. Some are made out of uh, marble, some are made out of granite, some are made out of concrete, wood, iron, bronze. Uh, but this one in particular is made out of sandstone. And mm-hmm. sandstone is not a good material to make things out of because it melts. Right. It's not like when ice melts. It's a very gradual melt. But you can see it. You can see the edges of it have melted down. It looks like it doesn't look like a grave anymore. It looks like some piece of stone that's melted over from the wind yeah. and the rain and the snow. It looks like the top of it had been smashed off and then it had, had been kind of like smoothed out from wind and whatever. Yeah. But then he was like, no, it's melting. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So it is a very old cemetery. When was it first established? It was established in 1883, which is the same year that the city was established. Okay, and you can't go get a plot there. No, the cemetery is full. There are occasionally still burials there, but those are people who have purchased land previously. Now the only places you can be buried are in the Riverside Memorial Cemetery or in the private Regina Cemetery out on the east side of the city. This one is, uh, the old Regina Cemetery is... uh, still in, in use by people who've purchased land, but they're not accepting any new interments. Yeah. Right. Except for one portion of the cemetery. Yes. That portion is in the northeast corner of the cemetery. It is the Beth Jacobs Jewish Cemetery. It is private property, but uh, people do tend to walk in there because it's uh, just a gate that's usually always open. Right. And remember to cover your head. It's like a respectful thing mm-hmm. yes. uh, when you're going uh, in there. The synagogue has asked people who do go in there to cover their head, either with a scarf or a toque or a hat, right. in, in respect for the tradition, for the re- religion. Mm-hmm. And in the uh, Jewish side of the cemetery, there's you'll see all these grave stones kind of like toppling over. And I mean, you see that in the rest of the cemetery. There's vandalism. There's just, you know, wind. I don't people know. being complete assholes <laughs> and just kicking gravestones over. But that's not actually the case for this one. Right. When I was first researching the tour in the cemetery, I came across these graves, and I was very concerned. Um, it was in 2016 when things were a little bit dicey um, politically-wise, and I was concerned this was anti-Semitism. Right. And I was very upset about this. And I reached out to the synagogue to, for clarification. And they said that, no, what this was was uh, deliberate destruction of the cemetery, that the synagogue was doing it. Perhaps that's, the right, that's not the right term to use, but they were doing it themselves mm-hmm. so that the graves that were shifting wouldn't cause like a domino effect and knock over other ones. Right. That area of the cemetery is very dense with graves. 
And if one falls, I could just knock over the next one and the next one, and the next one. So this was deliberately done to minimize damage. And, and most of them look like they're done as well as gently as you can, yep. but they're just kind of broken off and then laid down so you could still read what's on them. Yep. Yeah. And they also, one unique feature about this is there's two, I guess. They're not facing the same way as the rest of the graveyard. That's How? right. Uh, the Catholic graves face uh, sunrise while the Jewish graves face sunset. Um, the Catholic graves are waiting for uh, Jesus to return again, while the Jewish graves believe he has not, the Messiah has not yet come. So they're looking different directions for him. Right. Okay. And the second thing is they have coverings. The false tops or whatever. False tops? The false fronts. False, false fronts. fronts. Yep. Yeah. Uh, you were close. <laughs> we were close there. I didn't remember. <laughs> um, but you don't actually see them in the rest of the cemetery, really. I'm sure there's a few. Um, but these, almost all of them have it. What does that do? Um, I'm not as familiar with the tradition, so I might get this a little bit wrong. But it's supposed to kind of show where the person is buried. So you don't confuse and might not step on them. You kind of know that is where they're resting and not to walk on top of them. Right. And, I mean, people think they can lift them up and there's going to be a body underneath. But that's <laughs> just, it's not actually true. Yeah, you always see, like, on movies and stuff with the hand, like, reaches out underneath them. <laughs> Unless that person is standing up, they're not going to reach six feet up with their hand. Right. Right. So they're it's still just dirt. They're still six feet down, even though there's a covering on top of that. Yeah. So is there a lot of room left in that portion? Um, or is it kind of getting full? It's getting fuller. Um, I've seen a few uh, new burials in it over the years. Um, but it's only Jewish people. It's, only, it's their private land. So right. it's a small population in this city. So it's going to take a while to fill it up. Right. I know they are planning to do renovations and changes to the area this year to make it more level and more um, safe. But uh, There was something else that you said, too, that they don't bring flowers to the graves in that portion. That's right. Uh, in the Jewish tradition, people don't often bring flowers because flowers die. Uh -huh. um, so instead what they do is they bring rocks. So if you visit a grave uh, out of respect, you put a rock on the grave as a memory. So if you walk past a grave and you see rocks on it, you'll know someone came to visit. Right, because there was a lot of rocks. Just Yeah, I, I honestly didn't there. really notice until you pointed it out because really? they're just little. They're like pebbles. pebbles. Yeah. yeah. Um, so when I when you said rocks, I was like, where are these giant rocks? And I was like, oh, wait, they're <laughs> pebbles. The yeah, they're just going to Yeah, it's so cool, though, because <laughs> it makes sense. They're always going to be there forever. Yep. Yeah. And, yeah, I just think that's really neat. And also, there's a whole sectioned-off portion. Tell us a little bit about the controversy of this sectioned-off portion of this cemetery. When I first started the tours, I based the information off of these, tour, these two tour booklets that came out in the 1990s. And in one of the tour booklets, it had a section about the Spanish flu. And it said that um, in the Jewish part of the cemetery, there was uh, 100 of the 330 victims were buried there. And I thought that was an extremely high number because we've had a, we have a very small Jewish population in the city. It would have been very, very small back in 1918. So I reached out to the synagogue to get confirmation about if this number is accurate and even caught the rabbi off guard because that would have just about decimated the population at the time. Right. There wasn't a large one. No, and yeah. it still isn't now. If you lose 100 people in the Jewish community now, it would have been probably cut into three quarters. It's very small now. Right. So um, he went to the cemetery where it was reported that these were the, where the bodies were. And he came back and told me that, no, these were not Spanish victims. These are instead children that died during childbirth. Uh, so they are the ones buried here as opposed to the victims that what the book said. So, right. Oh, okay. So because it was like before birth. They can't be buried with the same right. area. Right. Would they count um, miscarriages and things or just stillbirths or... I think miscarriages as well. Yeah. Kind of a little okay. bit of everything. So tell us how you got into doing these tours, because I think that's probably the coolest part. Yeah, <laughs> like, how did you just come up with this? Yet. And why isn't this still a thing? If there were actual tour books you could get. There's a lot there to unpackage. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, do it. Uh, well, I started the tours back in 2016. Uh, uh, well, 2017, I guess it would be. By that time period, I started because I wanted to raise money uh, for a monument for the victims of the Spanish flu. Mm -hmm. And I thought this would be a great way to get people into the cemetery, to teach them stories, and to raise some money for it. I couldn't do the tours myself because I don't have insurance. So I had to go through Heritage Regina, and we've been doing those tours for the past two years. In December of 19, sorry, in December of 2017, we erected the monument for the victims of the Spanish flu. And then last year, we did uh, the second year of the tours as well. Mm -hmm. and do you still do tours? No. As of this year, the tours have been canceled. 
Okay. Uh, so because th- people just aren't coming, or no, we've had amazing turnouts on the tours. Okay. So uh, why have they been canceled? Well, I left the board of Heritage Regina after this past year, mm-hmm. and they chose to do not do the tours this year. Instead, they chose to do some other walking tours because they do walking tours throughout the summer, and this year they decided to do other ones. Oh, oh okay. cool. Yeah. Where else are they doing walking tours? Do you know? They do walking tours through Lakeview neighborhood, through um, Cathedral, through Wascana. Um, the McNabb neighborhood. I think they're doing one in Government House this year. A whole bunch of different ones. That's oh, okay. cool. I yeah. didn't even know that. Me neither. That is really cool, though. Yeah. Um, and how did you kind of get involved in, you know, learning about history of Regina? I feel like that's such <laughs> a u- unique niche. It is, yeah. <laughs> well, it, it kind of started by accident. Uh, I've always liked history. And uh, a number of years ago, I started my own little travel blog. And uh, I wrote about my trips to Europe and my trips to Asia and New York and Florida, and they weren't getting a whole lot of readers, right? Because everyone's writing, writing about Paris or everyone's writing about London. Right. So I thought, why not write about Regina and see, you know, talk about my own city? And it's a little bit cheaper to travel around Regina than, <laughs> say, I travel around Venice. True. <laughs> Just a little bit. Just a little bit. <laughs> you don't have to buy a ticket there and back. Nor a boat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, I started writing about Regina, and it really just kind of snowballed from there. Awesome. And... Tell us a little bit about your blog. Yeah, what's uh, it called? Where my, you find it? My blog is called Kenton DeYoung Travel. Uh, website's kentondeyoung.com. That's K-E-N-T-O-N-D-E-J-O-N-G.com. It's a, my personal travel blog. Uh, it talks about my trips to Asia or Europe, which has been twice now, um, throughout Saskatchewan and Canada. Since starting it, I've worked with a lot of large companies and corporations like Ford Canada, Parks Canada, Travel Manitoba, Travel Alberta. He's a big deal guy. God this is damn. so cool. <laughs> this is so cool. I want to do this. So it, we're gonna be big one day, Haley. Okay. <laughs> you were already on. You were on CBC, right? We were on we CBC. We did. We yeah. made it on to CBC. No, that's huge. That's great. <laughs> but my parents were like, "We listened. Oh my god, it's so cool." It took me years to get on CBC. <laughs> <laughs> they they just like were like, "Hey, come in at two thirty if you can," and we were like. Yeah, they emailed us in the morning. They're like, come in at 2.30. We were like, we didn't even know you knew we existed. <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah. know how they found us. Well, yeah, we do. Really cool. We put a lot of shit on Facebook yeah. and stuff. So. Mm-hmm. It was really neat. They moved we so made fast. it. We made it big. I was like shitting my <laughs> pants while we were there. And they're like, okay, it'll be on at 5 o'clock. I was like, oh my God, everything's getting done today. Oh my God. <laughs> it was very cool, though. It was Good cool. experience. And we thank CBC for that. That was awesome. And one thing we usually do for the end of the podcast, because we're getting to that portion, is to s- figure out where... You can volunteer in the city, and you said you had an organization that you love. Although no longer with the Board of Heritage Regina, I know they are looking for volunteers to help with their walking tours, to help with their different lectures and the different series they do throughout the year. Mm-hmm. So if you're interested in history and you're, you're looking to do some stuff around Regina just to help learn about the city and spread the knowledge of the city and the history of the city, Heritage Regina, and that's heritageregina.ca, you can find them on social media as well, they're looking for volunteers, people yeah. who just want to come out and help and learn about the history of the city do stuff this summer and just help around they would absolutely love more people to come out, especially young people because it's a his- part of our history that we have to keep carrying forward mm-hmm. and if the young people aren't, aren't interested then that's not going to happen right. right yeah well thanks so much for taking us on like a mini tour yeah, and showing us some of the graves really awesome. and being here with us we think this is awesome thank you so much well, thanks for having me i really appreciate it i do want to say one thing though um if anybody goes to the cemetery pick up your fucking garbage please yeah. <laughs> Haley was having panic attacks by herself, like throwing garbage in my bag. Take this, we're gonna throw it out later. Like, yeah, oh, it's okay. still in there, really. <laughs> I'll throw it out. Sorry, I got you. Um, out on a prairie ocean, waves of weed and the clever skies. Look out on the water, dreaming about years gone by. Let the sun shine down on Take my shoes off in the sand Feeling that bright warm sun And the wind blowing across the land And that was Kenton DeJong, the coolest guy that took us on a cemetery tour. Yes. Thank you again. It was so great. He was so excited. Yeah, I love how passionate he gets. Yes. I know. Yeah, I don't think I've had that passion in years. <laughs> it's just out of me. <laughs> it's gone. All right. Yeah, I'm pretty How old blind. are you? I'm too old. 24. Yeah, right? I'm like so young and I, 
I've given up on life. Just dying inside. Yeah. Yeah. Like, nothing can make me happy. You're about to go to law school. You better get some fucking passion (laughs) back. Yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah. Because you're going to be my lawyer, and I want a passionate (laughs) lawyer. (laughs) Perfect. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, yeah. A pro bono passionate lawyer. Yeah. What was your favorite part? (laughs) What was your favorite part about the tour, Haley? I um, hated that people put garbage on the ground. But my favorite part, sorry, loved that everybody, the community, everybody got together to raise money to yeah, put up a, um, that little monument, the monument for all the people who died of that deadly Spanish disease. Flu. That's the one. Yeah, yep. that is cool. Yeah. I, I don't know. I just loved that. I got to compare it to the New Orleans culture <laughs> because they had one of those. They looked like they one had of that tombs. Hot. Yeah. yeah. So th- that one like way bigger than the tombs that yeah. you would see. Like they're a little more like small. Um, but but that you one. did say when you saw it that you don't know how it would work because it doesn't get hot enough here. And I think you're right. So it must have been something else and just looked like that. It does. Like, I don't think I'm sure there's bodies in it. They just don't o- reopen them. I think that's just. Oh, it. yeah. Just like it must it be. That's For it. flooding or whatever. Yeah. Purposes. So, yeah, but it's kind of cool. I really. And I would it. like to let everybody know that you should um, <coughs> not be embalmed and you should not have a sealed tin not tin metal casket because your body needs to go back to the earth that's just how the fucking cycle goes and we're ruining it we're ruining just it. letting you know just so you know my opinion some right people there. have it figured out some don't know yeah this was just this was for necessary purposes you got embalmed because your body was half a world away and you needed to send it back for your family that makes sense but um doesn't anymore. <laughs> we don't do this you're literally getting buried well yeah anyways it's uh it is very interesting i learned a lot and we already got kenton to do our whole spiel about being a good person in regina so go and volunteer um where he said the regina (laughs) historic society yes he did say yeah yeah and And um, also they're not doing cemetery tours anymore because not enough no, no, there were people I, going. Yeah, said something was, happened, but or they met their goal because they were trying to raise oh, money right. for the monument, and right, then right, it was right. done. So unfortunately, can't go on a yeah. guided tour with somebody, but you might be able to take yourself on a guided tour with all the little yeah. flags, which but is kind of cool. The people who do the tours really, they just did a whole bunch of research and got in contact with a lot of people to learn about the graves. So if you wanted to do that, you could do a shit ton of research and then <laughs> just, just go around yourself. the cemetery. If you're that interested, give yourself the tour. <laughs> you can do it. We <laughs> believe in you. Oh yeah, you can do anything <laughs> you want. And another special thanks to Ryan Hicks for allowing us to use his music on our podcast thank you so much yeah it was awesome you're great yeah so check them out on our social media we'll be posting all of that um if you are interesting or think you are at least or want to say hi Did to you us say if you're interesting if you think you're interesting right or like us or like have music you want to <laughs> be on the podcast with make sure you email us at what is up yqr at gmail.com uh or on instagram what is up yqr same with facebook what is up yqr yes let us know what is up that's what we're yeah, here to find out that's what we want to know that's what we do yeah so um this Tell is us. two girls who acquired a microphone and that's how this happened thanks guys peace <laughs>